ever try to cover up ever try to cover up a resurrection? It doesn't work. And that's why on this day, people have been gathering for the past, past 2,000 plus years. Resurrection. Do we understand it? No. Can I explain it to you? Not at all. Does it make sense? Absolutely not. But do we believe it? We want to. We hope to. Resurrection changes people. It changes everything. This is what took place in the lives of those early followers on that first Easter so many centuries ago. Listen to this account from the Gospel of St. Luke. On the first day of the week at early dawn, the women went to the tomb taking spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they could not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. They were frightened and bowed their heads to the ground. The two said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Humanity must be delivered into the hands of the sinful, be crucified, and on the third day rise. They remembered Jesus' words, and running from the tomb, they went to tell all this to the eleven. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told all this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Peter, though, got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. The women returned to tell the others what they had experienced at the tomb, and their words seemed an idle tell. Preposterous news. Nonsense, thought the men. Stupid men. <laughs> They didn't want to believe the women. They wanted nothing to do with this. They wanted to try to cover up the resurrection, which is impossible. It can't be done. And yet, almost before the women's words had stopped their reverberation around the room, Peter hightailed it to the tomb to see for himself, to check it out. Might the women be telling the truth? He wanted it to be true. He hoped it would be true. In that moment, as he ran to the tomb, Peter was being motivated by faith. In that moment, Peter was practicing resurrection, which is what faith is all about. I believe the resurrection is something we know when we experience it. Like love. And like love, doesn't happen in a vacuum. We have to practice it. Nora Gallagher wrote in a book a few years ago, Practicing Resurrection, when I think of resurrection, I don't only think about what happened to Jesus. I think about what happened to his disciples. Something happened to them as well. Peter was motivated by the love that he had for Jesus, who was his rabbi, his teacher, his friend, that opened him to new life, that opened him to resurrection. 
and this motivation allowed him to be changed. Something happens in us when we experience resurrection as well, and we can't cover it up. Think back to that first Easter as we just heard in our text this morning. The women came to the tomb, taking spices that they had prepared, expecting to find a dead, decaying body, possibly hoping that seeing it, touching it, anointing it, caring for it, would help them convince themselves that Jesus was really dead. I remember when my dear friend Peter died. It wasn't until I touched his cold corpse did I really get that he was dead. But was he gone? His playful spirit was with me and my friend Katie, and as we stood crying over his dead body in the coffin at the mortuary, when Katie put a picture of the two of us inside his front pocket, we started to giggle. We knew that we were close to his heart, and we knew in that moment that Peter was giggling back with us. The women arrived at the tomb, and it was not as they expected. The stone was rolled away. With fear, they went in to discover that the body was gone. Then, seemingly out of the air, from nowhere, two men in dazzling clothes appeared before them. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He has gone before you into Galilee, just as he told you. He is not here. He has risen. Resurrection changes things, changes lives. That which was is no longer the same. How have you? How have you experienced resurrection? Most likely not by witnessing a dead person coming back to life, but when you've experienced being loved, when you have witnessed a birth, when you see two people becoming reconciled, this is resurrection. You see, resurrection changes things. The men didn't believe the women, not at first. They were changed, transformed. Peter got it. The others eventually did. But did resurrection actually occur the way that the scriptures portray it? I don't know. No one does. What I know is that the story is true, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's factual. Years ago, on my very first pilgrimage as a pilgrim, going to sites sacred in the Franciscan tradition, I was introduced to a brand new concept, at least at that time for me, called secundum traditionum, which means sacred tradition meaning the story is a container of the truth regardless of whether it actually happened the way that the story is told. Likewise, in Native American communities, they say, I don't know if it happened that way, but we know the story is true. You see, a story becomes true when it becomes our story. It doesn't matter really if the resurrection of Jesus happened word for word the way the Gospels portray it. In fact, all the Gospels portray it slightly differently. What is true is when it's true for you, when it's true for me. You see, resurrection changes things, and you can't cover it up. That's why I believe we need to practice it. For the more we practice 
resurrection, the more we experience life. You know, Jesus had no intention of having the resurrection become this historical event locked in time to be remembered and celebrated year after year. What God did through Jesus' resurrection was unlock the power of it so you and I could tap into it and be changed. For resurrection happens, as Annie Lamont puts it, in the margins, in the margins of life, the middle of the highs and the lows, those juicy moments where life and spirit and friendships were found. For over 20 years, I prayed that my brother Michael would be healed of his leukemia. I was angry and disappointed with God that a miracle hadn't been given the way that I wanted it to be and that Mike wasn't miraculously healed. And yet, these are two very important resurrection words, and yet. I knew in my heart of hearts that God was with him, with my sister-in-law, with my mother, and with my extended family. In deep sadness, in the moments of darkness, I experienced treasures. In the support I experienced from communities like this one praying for him, I experienced resurrection. You see, the story of Jesus rising from death to life has become my story because I know it's true. I've experienced it. And where does this happen? Resurrection happens at the bedside of someone you love who is dying. Resurrection happens in bed with someone you love. Resurrection happens when you let go of the old shoulds that hold you down, saying no to the power they once had over you. Resurrection happens when we serve others, when we become the eyes and heart and ears and hands of the Christ Resurrection happens by practice. We don't learn French, how I wish it were true, by drinking a latte. We, we don't understand resurrection when we only think about it once a year. The message of Easter is that when we love one another, and by God, we know to love another person takes practice. When we do this, we experience the risen Christ, and we're experiencing resurrection. In the movie Chocolat, which I have shared before, a woman moves to the hillside village of a little town in France and opens up, during Lent, no less, a chocolate shop. The mayor of this little hamlet is a very traditional man of faith, and during Lent, one gives up many pleasures, and of course, one of those pleasures is chocolate. The town is split, sneaking into the shop, tasting this forbidden delight. The priest finally on Easter Sunday speaks what I believe is the truth of the resurrection, the truth about living Jesus' commandment to love one another. In his sermon, he said, do I want to talk about the miracle of our Lord's transformation? No, not really. I don't want to talk about his divinity. I'd rather talk about his, his humanity. I mean, you know, how he lived his life here on earth, his kindness, his tolerance. Listen, this is what I think. I think we can't go around measuring our goodness by what we deny in ourselves, what we don't do, what we resist, who we exclude. I think we measure goodness by what we embrace, what we create, and who we include. This, my friends, 
is practicing resurrection. On the tables today as you leave, in the narthex and the one in the vestibule going into the hall, there's a little handout, it's bright yellow. It says, ways to practice resurrection. I invite you to take them home and ponder them this week, these months. For practicing resurrection is up to you and me. We can choose to ignore it. We can go around measuring our goodness by what we don't do, by what and who we deny, who we exclude and what we resist. Or, or we can choose to practice our goodness by what we embrace, by what we create, and who we include. And when we do this, my friends, we'll be living the truth. The Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. May it be so for each of us. Amen.